Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, just me today. And, you know, we talk a lot about technology all the time, uh, but we don't always necessarily dig into kind of what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, we talk about operations sometimes, but, you know, there's some pretty big shifts that are happening in our industry. Um, and sometimes it's good to sort of dig in, you know, a little deeper behind some of the things that we hear the headlines about, but we don't really understand the origin of it or kind of the, the broader picture. So um, today, very, very excited to have uh, Colton Andrus, who is CEO of Gremlin with us today. And uh, Colton, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, tell us a little bit. You've got a, a pretty interesting background um, in terms of not only the companies that you've worked for, but kind of the the space and the market that you've been focused on from an engineering perspective. So give us a little bit of your background and, and why this this whole uh, you know idea of liking to break things is, is in your DNA, it seems like. Yeah. So I was really fortunate. When I first joined Amazon, I was on the team that was responsible for the retail website's availability. And we, if the website went down, if things went wrong, we got paged, we were involved. And we came about with this idea to do proactive failure testing to help us find issues in advance and harden them and really verify that things behave the way we expected. And so, you know, I was a, I was a more junior engineer. It was this awesome project. It was like, look, hey, go break things on purpose and let's find out what happens. And, and so as a, un, as a junior engineer, it was just great to, to be able to learn about that and to be able to grow about that. Got to spend time doing that at Amazon. And after a little while, you know, I was ready for something more. And I said, cool, well, you know, where can I learn more about this? Where can I go deeper? And of course, you know, Netflix comes to mind. Uh, while we were working on this at Amazon was what, when Chaos Monkey came to be and became publicly talked about. And so I thought, oh, clearly... Clearly, I can go there and learn more, and um, and so I did. You know, I ran to Netflix, and uh, I was able to join. I was actually on the Edge team, not the Chaos team, which was kind of a funny, funny bit. And I wasn't actually planning on working on failure testing. And after I'd been there for a little while, it became obvious that we needed it, and it would have solved our problems and made our lives easier. And so I got to build a, another failure injection system, kind of the the next generation of the monkeys to let us do it in a safe and controlled manner there. And it was really successful again. Yeah. So very, very cool. So, so I know a lot of people have heard of chaos monkey. If you've, if you've kind of, you know, been paying attention at, at meetups, you follow people like Adrian Cockcroft or any of the Netflix OSS folks, you've heard of this thing called chaos monkey, but give us, give us kind of the background of not just this tool, um, but, but more importantly, like, kind of the, the mindset that goes on, whether it's at Amazon or Netflix or, you know, broader places to like have this idea of, of what, you, you know, you, you sometimes refer to as like chaos engineering. Um, what, what, you know, what, what does that really mean? And, and what are those kind of groups really doing? Yeah. So I think that's a great opportunity to pay some homage to those who came before us. Um, people like Jesse Robbins at, at Amazon that were, you know, he was the master of disaster and he was running game days where he would go in and, and pull network cables out of data centers and, and force real life failures onto engineers to help them prepare and be ready. James Hamilton was talking about this at Microsoft Research before he went to AWS. Um, John Allspaw. There's a lot of a lot of smart people that have been thinking about this kind of chaos engineering or failure testing for quite some time. 
Um, so it's got, it's got kind of a rich background. Everyone knows about Chaos Monkey, but I think there's a lot of great thought out there. One thing I'll say, Chaos to me, I think it's a sexy name, but it's a little bit of a misnomer. Um, a lot of people I talk to think, cool, Chaos Monkey means you got to run it randomly. You got to just – we're just going to cause chaos and see what happens. And really, I think you know, good failure testing is thoughtful, proactive experiments to learn more about your system and not just, well, let's run them, ran some stuff randomly, randomly and see if things break. Yeah. And, and so, you know, help, help me understand. So, um, you know, obviously, like, like you said, there's been a lot of people who've been thinking about this for a while. You know, lots and lots of companies have sort of lab environments, if you will, or, you know, sort of the non-production environment that kind of mirrors the production environment. And, and they tend to break things there. Um, they tend to break them sometimes in pieces and parts and sometimes kind of holistically. But, how does how does that mind shift that sort of mindset shift to saying we need to be doing this in production um, because there you know there's always this feeling of like hey production it's where the money is in terms of you know the business and we can't really risk that like how do you where does the mindset change in terms of how to manage that risk yeah great great question and in the end it's it's about the money and I think you know looking at downtime as a cost and something that we can prevent is is part of the justification and the value for chaos testing. When we're testing in in test or dev or our staging environments, I think we're doing a, a different set of testing than we do in prod. We can test that things functionally degrade the way we expect, that we're handling exceptions, that you know we've we've written the code and it does what we expect. But when we're testing in production, typically we're testing at scale and we're seeing a different class of failures. We're not a different class of failures, but a different class of, of effects. And so when our large, you know, when our production system at scale is under duress, we're seeing, are we throttling? Are we protecting ourselves? Do our, you know, our production load balancers configured correctly? Are our production servers configured correctly? And at the end of the day, production is what matters. That's what our customers see. That's where the money happens. And if we haven't tested those and hardened those and make sure they work, then we might have a nasty surprise. Right, right. And and you guys, so your company, uh, Gremlin, uh, Gremlin Inc., um, you guys are, are sort of in the chaos engineering as a service, sort of failures as a service. Like, t- tell me about the the what you guys are trying to do with the business because it's it's still very new. It's still in sort of beta, coming out of stealth. Uh, what what are you guys trying to do, and and what are you trying to solve in the marketplace for people? Yeah, so I think that. Um that's a great that's a great way that you put it and and what we're trying to do chaos as a service or failure as a service is to really take these best practices and these learnings from building these systems at Netflix and Amazon and and having done them a couple of times and probably more importantly having worked with all the teams at Amazon and Netflix to adopt it and to run them and to get the value out of them so we have this unique experience that we really want to share to help grow the industry, to help grow this kind of fledgling community so that other people can learn and benefit from, from what we've done. As far as tooling goes, you know, our, our key tenants are, are simplicity, safety, and security. You know, we want to make it – I'm a firm believer if you want engineers to do the right thing, you need to make it easy to do the right thing. And so we want to make it you know, dead simple to break things in a safe way. We've built a lot of safety features into the system so that if things go wrong or unexpected things happen or there's always the big red button so that you can just say, no, stop and let us figure out what happened. Stop, put us back to safe, and then let's figure out what happened. 
Right. And then lastly, you know, if you're building a system to break things on purpose, like security is just very important and something that we could skimp on a little bit when you're doing an internal tool. But when you're doing a public offering, you really build it in from the ground up. Right. Right. Now, um, you know, obviously what you guys are trying to do is take a bunch of learnings that you have uh, at the, the biggest companies in the world, the biggest web scales, make that a, a more consumable thing for for other companies who, who aren't Amazon and Netflix. Is this something that really kind of, uh, you know, primarily applies to sort of web applications, distributed applications, or is, is this something that you guys expect to see kind of going back to existing applications for customers, you know, a big, you know, monolithic Java application? Is there, is there a kind of a sweet spot for, for where it fits for people, or is it really just, you know, where people's money and risk is, is most, uh, most valuable? Yeah, in the long run, if you have customers that you serve over the internet and you care about maintaining a good relation with relationship with them, keeping your brand in a good spot and making money, then you care about uptime and reliability. And so I would say you also care about failure testing and being prepared, doing that proactively. It's a little bit like insurance. You know, you want to you want to make sure that you've done your due diligence so that when bad things happen, you're covered and and they behave the way you expect. Right. Let's let's dive a little bit into the into the tech behind some of this. I mean, you guys uh, still, you know, if, if you go out to your website, still in beta, you can sign up for some things. You look at things like, um, you know, the the Simeon Army, right? Sort of the, the set of tools around something like Chaos Monkey and these other ones. Are those tools kind of platform dependent? I mean, so for example, uh, like, is there a set of tools if you're running? you know, containers and Kubernetes, or is it a different set of tools if you're, you know, writing something in like Spring Boot or, I mean, like how tied together are like platforms or, or application frameworks to the tools that you use? Are they, are they kind of independent? Some of them are. Chaos Monkey is, is tightly coupled to AWS, as are some of the other monkeys and their approaches. Some of the other outs, uh, open source failure testing tools have taken focuses on containers or on this aspect or on that aspect. I think, you know, the way we view that, that's great. Um, open source projects are a nice way to get started, and they're a nice way to kind of get, get your feet wet. But you know, we have the opportunity to build a product that does, you know, all of those things. We, we target Linux and okay. it doesn't matter whether you're bare metal or in the cloud. doesn't matter what distro you're running. You know, we can we can go out and cause those failures. Well, the container world, we've had a lot of fun making Gremlin just work perfectly within containers so that people can use it in the old world or in the new world. OK, cool. Um, so what are what are some of the, the common types of problems that you see as you as you go out and talk to to companies that maybe feel like, okay, I, I need to get a better handle on how vulnerable we are to, to these failures and so forth. What are, I don't know, maybe, maybe what are the top four or five kind of patterns that you see that people make mistakes on or, or are easily correctable or somewhat easily correctable? Yeah. I mean, when you first said that, what I immediately thought of was the S3 outage earlier this year, the Dyne outage last year, mm-hmm. the time that EC2 went, or the time that, you know, US East 1 went down. Typically, it's these like large scale failures of something you depend upon that really shows you how well you've written your code to defend against that. A lot of people end up getting hit when those things occur, and they realize that you know they haven't really prepared for that scenario. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in general, I think this is. 
this is a bit reminiscent of we're all busy, we have a lot of things to do. And so as you're writing your code, a lot of engineers aren't thinking through the failure modes or aren't thinking of ways they could gracefully degrade and, and continue serving customers if things go wrong. And so that's why in one part, you know, you want the tooling to make it easy so they can do that during the dev process and at any point while they're, while they're learning and, and building their systems, but so that you can also just get them thinking about it, just get it in the mind share that, hey, if you, when you're designing a service or, or as you're listening to this, you should think through you know, what happens to my service if things go wrong. Whiteboard it out and think about your external dependencies or your internal dependencies and knowing that you know, the network's unreliable and services are going to fail, what will happen to you when those things occur? Yeah. And, and this thing starts to become a, a pretty multi-layered onion, right? So you, you take, you guys did a really nice job. There's a, there's a nice blog on your website that we'll link to that, that sort of talks about the S3 outage and it, and it goes into some detail. It's sort of some depth about saying, Hey, you know, you, you may only think about S3 as being like your storage bucket, the place where maybe you keep some, you keep some config files or some image files, but you sort of have to think a couple of steps downstream to go, what other services do I use as part of my application that may also use s3 that may be impacted by this and like is there a i mean are there are there tools people are using to kind of think about those second and third order dependencies or is that something that that's really you know people are just beginning to kind of grasp yeah i might argue that the low-hanging fruit and the place to start is always with your first level dependencies because if the if the, you can handle any of your first level dependencies going away you can handle that second level dependency failing Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, sort of own your, own your dependencies first and then, and then kind of go once, once you're solid with that, go from there. But, but to your question on tooling, you know, I think at Amazon, we had some tools to know what, you know, and we could look at code and talk to engineers to know what our dependencies or up or our downstreams were. And Netflix, what was nice is we just integrated it with our tracing system and we could have a nice pretty graph that showed us exactly where the dependencies lie. And then we could be real prescriptive. We could say, hey, we see that you have this dependency on, on Foo service. Were you aware of that? You know, and sometimes they're aware, sometimes they're not. What happens if Foo service goes away? Is that a critical dependency for you or could you handle losing it? And, and again, knowing that information, you know, that the value of monitoring and insight helps you to, to prepare and know where to spend your time and your effort. Right, right. Now, we, um, you know, we, we, we see a lot around uh, events and, and sort of frameworks for people trying to figure out things like DevOps, right? So how do, I, uh, you know, how do I automate things? How do I bring my culture together? We've obviously seen lots of tools around, you know, you mentioned tracing and monitoring, but but this idea of sort of chaos engineering um, is like you don't hear about it necessarily as much, right? It, like you said, it sounds sort of uh, sort of a big big name and title, but but do you expect that that we'll see uh, sort of people wanting to under? Because the nice thing is, if if I look, uh, there's a really good website for sort of principles of chaos engineering uh, that we'll link to as well. Um, do you think we'll start to see people looking at this as a as a discipline to be sort of dug into and so forth, kind of like we've seen people trying to tease apart and figure out DevOps as well? Or is this, is it just kind of part and parcel of monitoring, tracing, logging, all those other, like how do you, how do you see this kind of playing in or what should people be paying attention to? 
Yeah, it's, that's a great question. Obviously, I have a, a biased answer. Sure. I think, um, you know, three, four years ago, actually, between Amazon and Netflix, I looked at, at doing Gremlin. And at that time, when I spoke to people about this, the, re- the initial reaction I got most often was, wow, that sounds crazy. Really? That's what you want to do? <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and there's ways you can circumvent that. I love the vaccine analogy. You know, hey, even though it's counterintuitive, we're going to inject something harmful into our bodies to become immune. You know, that, that translates well to distributed systems. We're mm-hmm. going to inject something harmful to build an immunity. Now, when I talk to people, and again, maybe I'm talking to people that are a little bit more on the early adopter curve, you know, I, I don't get that question of why would you do this or this seems like a bad idea. Instead, it's how do I get started and can you, can you give me some steps to, you know, help me on my journey? Yeah. So I, I think it's just, I mean, if you fast forward 10 years, I think just like monitoring, just like tracing, it's just going to be how we do things. It's just going to be part of our ecosystem and another strong tool that helps us understand and build our systems. But, you know, for the next five years or so, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be new tech. People have to get used to it. People have to learn it. There's still a lot that we all have to learn about how to do this well and a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how does, um, you know, how, how does Gremlin, we haven't talked a whole lot about, about the, the company itself, but how does Gremlin sort of fit into this whole, uh, this whole space and, and the challenge that, that you're trying to solve? Yeah. So, I mean, on the community side, we want to, like with our blog and with some of our talks, we want to just be able to get out there and help people understand why it's a good idea Think about the cost of downtime. Think about just some of the process on how they can get started so they can go out and be effective and start getting some of the value with, with their, with, within their systems. In terms of, you know, from a technical point of view, this is, a, you know, it's funny. People think that, okay, well, breaking things, that doesn't sound that hard. I, I can go out and write something to break something. And, <laughs> right. and some of the open source libraries, to be honest, fall into this bucket. They're, they break things with kind of a big hammer with no real thought about cleaning it up afterwards or what happens if that goes wrong or the operations around that. And so the opportunity for us is in some of those safety features and those security features that giving tooling that has some guardrails and has some some safety built into it will make people a little bit more comfortable and let them, you know, let them not shoot themselves in the foot as they go out and get started. Right. Right. Cool. Well, listen, let me ask you one sort of last question. I, I like the uh, sort of vaccination analogy because um, people people get the idea of, you know, introducing a small amount of of the of the virus into your system. Your system has some built in things to, to go fight back against it. What's a, what's a couple of symptoms potentially that, uh, anybody who's listening to the show might go, Oh, okay. Uh, I've seen that from us before we should, you know, we should dig into this space a little bit more because, you know, we we may have a problem brewing on our hands. Yeah. I think the people that are listening that have this problem, they know it, you know, they're getting paged. They, (laughs) they feel the pain. They're a little burnt out or they're a little tired of just always, being in reactive mode. You know, it's firefight mode. If you're in a lot of correction of errors or incident reviews, if you're getting paged a lot, if there's a lot of monitoring noise, if you just feel like you can't quite get on top of your system, then, you know, then this is for you. Like this is where you go out, you do this failure testing. You know, a couple of the, one of the metrics I love after doing this on my team at Netflix, so we owned the proxy and the API, and we called out to all the, the microservices. After we went through and failure tested losing all of our microservices behind us and making sure we handled it well, we got paged 25% less that the next year and then 25% less again the year after that. 
and even some of those incidents that we joined, we're just incident junkies. We just love to be <laughs> we love to be in the thick of things. We like to help fix things. And so really it, it it put my team in a position where we could focus a lot less on reactive, middle of the night, you know, incident review operations. And it could be much more proactive and then during the day we could work on other things that put us ahead or or weren't even related to operations very cool yeah no that's that's very cool and, and again it's always sort of uh it's it's good to hear the stories about when when good hygiene makes sense and and makes people's it makes makes their business better and makes their uh day-to-day lives a little less stressful so real quick where can people you guys are out giving talks uh you're you're out and about where's a good pe- place for people to kind of get in touch with you guys or where can they maybe expect to see you in an event or a show or how to reach out to you yeah, I think, you know, people are welcome to email me. It's Colton at gremlinink.com. And at this point, you know, we're taking customers that are really interested and ready to do this and want to participate in our beta or or be an early adopter. Um, I don't have a I don't have a set of speaking engagements lined up in the near future. I think the best place is probably look look for more on our blog. Cool. And, uh, you know, pot, a great podcast like this. Excellent. Well, listen, Colton, thanks for the time today. Interesting, very interesting subject. And and folks, I expect uh, as more and more of you are are digging into distributed applications and distributed systems, this will be a a space to really follow. So Colton, thank you for the time again today. And uh, folks, for for Aaron and for Colton, uh, have a good weekend and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 